What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Central Virginia Sport Performance Podcast. I am your host, Jay DeMeo, and today, just like all the first episodes, we welcome back the one and only Mr. DC Sports Training, Jeff Moyer. Jeff? Stoked to have you, bro. (laughs) Thanks for having me, buddy. Yeah, man. I I mean, it can't be an episode one or a restart or whatever if it doesn't (laughs) have Jeff in it. You know, it's... uh, it's pretty great to have you back, man, and it's even going to be better to have you back at the seminar, but this time in your in your town up there in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, man, I'm excited. Uh, excited you're finally coming up north a little bit, man. We got uh, Pittsburgh's, Pittsburgh's a cool city. It's got a lot of, a lot of awesome stuff uh, to offer for just anyone, you know, beer lovers like us, uh, you know, there's tons of museums and art and just there's always shit to do here. It's, it's, it's a really cool city. Yeah, I'm stoked. We got to catch up and check things out a couple of weeks back. And the facility over there is, is great. The The lecture room is great. It's a really unique kind of setup. Um, like a shopping mall turned into like uh, temporary offices and everything. It's, it's really neat. Like it's, I, mean, I guess with Amazon basically slaying all of the shopping malls out there and the internet taking them all down and using them for different things is, is what's going to need to be happening here. But it's a cool setup and it's going to be a blast, man. And it's uh, the lineup's going to be freaking a banger too. I can't wait to, to get everybody in there and just sit down and kind of get my face melted by the people that are going to present. Have you announced who's presenting or is this uh, the announcement? Well, this is the announcement that you're presenting, that's for sure. Okay, cool. And then uh, the rest of the lineup's going to be coming here in the next couple okay. of weeks with the rest of them. But I'm sure that people are going to be really excited as these start rolling out because it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, I'm I'm excited and I, I get to present. I mean, re- regardless of me, I, 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 I'm excited for the line. I'm, I'm just the, the lead off. I'm just the schmo. I'm the warmer upper for, for the crew that's that's coming, man. Uh, it's it's going to be a really cool, um, really cool seminar, uh, both the location, which you know, I, I'd never seen before until uh, I met you and Hammer um, a couple of weeks ago. And, and then the lineup's unbelievable. Yeah, man, it's going to be a blast. But you know, before we get too much into all that, you know, it's been a pretty crazy and uh, and fun year for what you guys have been doing. A lot of expanding, a lot of things that have been picking up and a lot of new ideas and rabbit holes that Jeff's been running down. So what is new up there at DC sports strength, bro? Um, you know, the pandemic w- w- was terrible for a lot of things as everyone knows, but it was also great for a lot of things. I got to uh, have some downtime and actually try to just go outside of my wheelhouse and look into other avenues of, uh, of things and just, yeah, just dig into some rabbit holes, man. So, uh, you know, still doing work with the athletes, still working with adults, um, you know, doing a lot more now with neurological development um, and looking at uh, primitive reflexes and, and neurology, doing doing a lot more down the neurology uh, rabbit hole. Um, you know, been fortunate to have been a part of some uh, some training camps for some NFL prospects that that uh, you might have heard of in the draft. Um, I don't know, man, just doing a bunch of trying to survive but uh just doing a bunch of different stuff on top of what we were already doing man it's been uh it's been actually uh, a bit of a blessing i'm not i'm not gonna lie um in a lot of regards for opening up 
uh, a lot of the things that uh, you know previously I'd have to go travel to go do before. And don't get me wrong, I, I'm a big believer in in-person learning and everything like that. And I definitely learn better that way. But um, due to the world, you know, a lot of things went online, which offered a lot of great opportunities to do take classes that I, I I'd not be able to travel to, or it would have been way too expensive for me to go there. Um, and so that's been awesome. And then, you know, Zoom, as uh, much as we all knock it, has been a blessing to meet people from across the world. Uh, so Zoom's been awesome to uh, uh, talk to people and, and, and things like that. So um, I don't know, man, it's been uh, an interesting uh, couple of years, but, uh, um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, it's been a good one, man. Knock on wood, we've, we've survived and stayed above water and, and actually have grown. So that's rad, man. And I think that one of the neat things that you brought up there, you know, when it comes to, I mean, not other than the people that you've been able to work with, which, you know, I don't know if we can name drop or not, but it, it's been pretty cool to watch that from a distance to see like people pop up on your Instagram story and be like, oh, dang, you know, uh, but uh, the, the neurological stuff is really intriguing. And it's, it's definitely in its own sort of subset when it comes to physical preparation and athlete development. So how did this turn into something that you, like, how did, how did you find the rabbit hole, first of all? Yeah. And then what was the rabbit that you started chasing down there to lead you this way? There was actually a lot of rabbits that um, kind of led me here, to be honest with you, both with myself, with my, my children. Um, I have uh, three kids uh, and uh, um, things I've seen here in the gym. So, uh, and then uh, a, a mutual uh, Rochesterian, um, Dan Fichter of Want to Get Faster. Uh, who's a buddy of mine uh, that uh, uh, kind of helps steer things. So it's like all these rabbits kind of found themselves into this one hole. And I was like, all right, well, fuck it. I'm going to, I'm going to have to jump down this man. So um, for myself, I grew up um, with some, what was, I was labeled with learning disabilities, right? I've always had resource room. I always had the extra time. I had the tutor that would follow me to classes. Um, I had tutors during the summer. I, I struggled. School was, was hard for me growing up. Um, and my son now, he's in second grade, but last year going into first grade, you know, we were kind of warned, hey, he falls on the, you know, he falls under the, the spectrum of uh, ADHD and he's got some troubles and he's a bit younger for his age. So, you know, they were already talking about before school even started, hey, maybe he might have to stay back, you know, next year, which, you know, is no problem if that's what he needed to do. And then... Um, there's, you know, as, as you know, we've presented and talked a lot about with you and, and on your, uh, at your seminar and stuff, vision training. You know, I've followed the guys that slow the game down for years. Dr. Bill Harrison, I consider uh, a mentor, the late Dr. Bill Harrison and Ryan and everything he's done is fantastic. But I would lie to everyone to say I, I bat a thousand with correcting vision and, and improving things. And there was just, there were difficult cases and uh, it's the difficult cases that uh, make me want to deep digger uh, or, or dig deeper. Sorry. Why can't I fix this? Why can't I solve this? Like my son, for instance, so he's six, had some tracking issues uh, and being the football ex college football coach uh, playing collegiate football. I, I just always wanted to play catch with my kid and uh, he would struggle with catching a ball. Uh, he'd have no problem throwing it back, but he just struggled catching it. And on top of some other things, you know, I know he's got some eye tracking issues. So doing a lot of the, uh, the eye stuff and vision training stuff I was doing, um, wasn't really making any improvement with him. And I was like, okay, there's something got to be deeper here. And 
right kind of when the pandemic started, uh, Dan Victor rec recommended me this course, uh, the IP Institute out of Montreal, uh, Quebec. And uh, Matt Boulay was the, is the gentleman that, that puts that on. It's his course. And uh, it's, it's a neurological development for kind of strength coaches, right? So it's more geared towards gyms and gym, you know, people who work with athletes. Um, and you know, like, for instance, why when someone squats do their hip shift, right? When, when they go down to the right or go down to the left or when they bench press, why do they always look at the right or the left hand? Or why is one side stronger than the other, right? These are all things us strength coaches listening have seen, but it kind of takes it further. And hey, maybe there's some developmental issues. Maybe they didn't learn to crawl right. Maybe they got some vestibular issues on that side and they're trying to compensate for it, right? So there's these questions that it started asking. And um, I, I, I love the course, the IP course. There's three levels to it. So I went all the way through. And um, just like the way I met you, just like the way I met Dr. Yeses, just like the way uh, got to work with Natalia. I, I try to always trace things further and further back to the beginning. And so the IP was a lot, you know, uh, Matt would mention Dr. Robert Melillo's name a lot. He mentioned rhythmic movements uh, a lot, rhythmic movement training, um, the book, Why Movements Heal. And so I, I read that book and who put that on and, and looked into Dr. Melillo and started learning more about primitive reflexes and brain hemisphere imbalances and how they present themselves as learning disabilities or as things that get, we get labeled with, whether it's anxiety or depression or OCD or all these things that people get labeled with. And so what it is at its core, whatever these labels are at its core, it's an imbalance in the brain and possibly a retained primitive reflex. So that was just was like a light bulb for me. Um, and so I started doing primitive reflex stuff with my son. And uh, all of a sudden his eye tracking, you know, he can catch the ball. All, all of a sudden his eye tracking is better, right? Asymmetrical tonic neck reflex can cause convergence issues. It can cause tr eye tracking issues. The, to uh, the, the tonic neck, uh, uh, labyrinthi reflex involving the neck can cause vestibular issues, can cause uh, eye tracking issues as well. And so we start working on that and I start seeing these improvements in my son, both from a, uh, a physical development standpoint, but also from a schooling standpoint and from an emotional standpoint um you know the beginning of the school year you know they do kind of a global testing of the see where there is and he fell about 40 points below the standard uh for his grades and everything and then by middle of the year which was around january uh after we had did done all the uh primer reflexes in the brain hemisphere stuff um he was 100 points higher than the average of everybody which was awesome. And again, I didn't do any school stuff with him. This was all through remote learning that he was taking classes. All I did was the primitive reflex brain hemisphere stuff. And I started seeing that with other athletes I started working with. And now it's been just this ongoing snowball effect of I'm finishing up Dr. Robert Melillo's 120 hour course, hopefully to then take the test and be officially certified in his work. I've taken two levels of the rhythmic movements courses. I've taken a bunch of uh, neuro uh, neurology courses. Um, and it's, it's been this just continuous deep dive down things, but where, and this is what I hope to present on uh, a bit is where I see now for people out there who work with athletes and, and, and stuff is it's, um, it's helped me with kids who have anxiety, right? We, we all talk about anxiety and mental health. And I think, you know, this past summer with the Olympics with us, uh, what's, what's Simone Biles, talk about and everything and I completely understand and a lot of that can 
be contributed to all the way back to uh, a brain hemisphere imbalance. Uh, you know, at its core, all these labels can be, you know, broken down uh, to uh, a hemisphere imbalance on top of some primitive reflexes. And so now I incorporate those exercises to, to um, get the reflexes retained. I, I do think simple things that can be implemented by anybody um, to work on a brain hemisphere imbalance. So let's just say uh, an athlete, you know, anxiety is in the left brain, right? People who have high anxiety is going to be more of a left brain trait. Uh, that high left brain, lower in the right brain. So to bring up the right brain, we'll do things uh, for the right side. So we'll wear blue glasses or we'll more, more blue, the color blue. Um, we'll do essential oils on their collar. So I have a whole bunch of different essential oils. I'll have a vagus nerve stimulating essential oil to try to uh, stimulate the vagus nerve, or we have other ones for different things we're trying to stimulate. Um, I'll have them do more things standing on their left side, right? Because the left side of the body goes to the right brain. Just simple things like that. Um, and then some of the, the visual things that go with the right brain, um, right? Uh, uh, depth perception and binocularity a lot of times are done in the right brain. So we'll do a little more stuff involving that. Uh, spatial awareness is more in the right brain. So trying to do more things for that. So now it's kind of helped me as far as um, not necessarily change completely what I was doing previously, but now I could be a little more precise with things and what this athlete particularly needs based off of some profiling stuff we do. Um, I know that's a very long-winded answer, and I don't know if that's where you wanted me to go with it, but that's where I took it. This also doesn't take away. I think that the problem at times that people get when people run down rabbit holes like that is they're, they're like, so all people do when they work with Jeff is they get some essential oil rubbed on their lapel. And it's like, no, like you're still training people. You're still time in sprints. They're mm -hmm. still lifting weights. It's yeah. still a one by 20 type thing and all of this stuff. And this is just, you know, some icing on the cake to help carry things over to a greater extent. Yeah. So exactly. So for instance, I had a father come to me this spring um, with, her, with her, his high school daughter. She's going to high school as a freshman volleyball player, wanted me to, you know, get her quicker on the court and jumping higher could not help but notice she struggled with eye tracking stuff, just making contact and basic conversation. High anxiety, young lady, very high anxiety, young lady, uh, would just gets nervous, just kind of one of, you know, a nervous Nelly type of thing. And, um, uh, you know, couldn't help but notice that, yeah, there's primitive reflexes, there's some things going on. So there are, you know, so I would say maybe 60, 40, 50, 50, depending on the day, uh, our, our workouts would be, you know, one by 20 and, and, and all the stuff you just mentioned and what which we've talked about before. And, and then the other side, we're doing some things to bring up um, her vestibular system, right? So there's, if there's anxiety, there, there, there's a good chance there's a vestibular issue going on, right? Because a lot of vestibular issues present themselves as anxiety uh, or kids who have emotional issues, right? So I'm having her sit in my chair and I'm spinning her around, or we're doing a lot more balance work, um, or I'm having her you know, put an earpiece in her, um, in her uh, right ear. So now she has to hear out of her left and we're doing things where she's doing specific head movements, um, you know, and it's all kind of built in with that. So absolutely, I'm still doing one by 20. We're still doing, you know, our, our, our what we do here at DC Sports Training for athletic development. It's just got now things sprinkled in. And so now, you know, the last, you know, she's been in season right now. So the report from her father that I've been having was, first of all, she passed all her tests better than, you know, the, the pre- camp test better than all the other athletes 
um, that were there, which was cool. And, you know, she's able to now mentally stay focused. So if there is an error, she doesn't get on herself like she used to get. Um, you know, there's, there's not that anxiety that woe is me type of thing is as bad as she used to have it where she just kind of break down um, and she's jumping higher and all this stuff. So it's, it's been pretty cool to see, um, you know, the mix of both with, with athletes like that and same, you know, and then on top of it, her schooling, you know, it, it has benefit to her schooling because, you know, I'm not just trying to trying to train an athlete. I'm trying to develop a better person. Right. So I'm trying to help someone throughout their, their life skills. And so that's what I'm also trying to, you know, we're trying to work on with that stuff. Well, and again, like when it comes to transfer training, yes, there are specific movements that will have carryover dynamic correspondence. I mean, it's literally the name of your business. Um, But when it comes down to it, we can do all the specialized exercises and time them and show that their verticals go up until we're blue in the face. But if they step on the court and there are external circumstances that are putting them behind the eight ball before they start. Yeah. None of that matters. So I think that, you know, understanding that these are things that we can improve because I think we've talked, I'm as guilty of this as anybody of thinking that these are things we can improve. Um, Having this tool in the toolbox is way more important than I think people give it credit for. Oh, and absolutely. And that's kind of one of the things I'm hoping to bring out at the, uh, my presentation is the importance uh, and the applicability this has for every level athlete, not just a high level athlete, not just a school aged kid, um, you know, uh, adults, you know, the adult brains built on the child's brain, Um, you know, so in the importance of doing this stuff at a young age and being able to recognize it. So and, and the um, maybe misnomer that it's, you know, you got to be the specialist to do these things. And I'm not trying to take over for an occupational therapist or anything like that. It, trust me, I'm the first person to refer someone out if there's an answer I can't solve. But the way to improve these things is through movement, which is cool, through exercise, through sensory stimulation, which is what we do in the gym. You know what I mean? I just add a little smell or a little different color to, to someone. And that's that's it. You know, some of the movements are just you know, they got to do maybe a lot more uh, um, dead bugs. They got to do a lot more uh, bird dogs. You know what I mean? That's how we work on an asymmetrical tonic neck reflex. They're doing more supermans, you know, right? So those are all things like who's, whose place is that? So, you know, I, I don't see why we couldn't do that. And to be able to test someone takes seconds. Any parent can do it, right? There's videos all over internet for, for adults to find, to, to be able to do this with their children. It's just something that was not in this area of Pittsburgh, and I would argue probably a lot more places than just Pittsburgh that are not being looked at. And I got athletes coming in left and right that are being labeled with things, right? Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't think that's fair to just label someone with something. Um, I, I know from experience the the emotional side of being labeled, and the the um, you know, the feeling of I'm not inadequacy that I always had of having a tutor following me around that I have to go to these special classes or these special things while my friends are doing other things or they're talking about their AP classes, you know, and I'm sitting there trying to work on basic math. Um, you know, I know how that feels and, and the guilt I had and, uh, and just, you know, the, the inadequacy. So and I wouldn't wish that upon anyone. So that's kind of what I'm, I, I'm hoping to, to do here at DC Sports because help people with that oh man i love it i love it and i think that what 
is really cool about that is it was because there were things that you couldn't find the answer to, right? And I think that, or not, there were things that the answers you thought you had yeah. didn't correct. Correct. And I think that that's a pretty rad lead in to getting into the, you know, the big three. So let's, let's dive into those. But first, this portion of the podcast is brought to you by Eccentric. Eccentric is the world leader in flywheel technology, and this year is celebrating 10 years of being just that. The addition of the Eccentric K-Box and K-Pulley to both our return to sport and general physical preparation programs have had immense positive effects on our athletes. For more information or check out the awesome catalog of products that Eccentric provides, hop on over to Eccentric.com today and make sure you let them know that CVASPs sent you. And the first one, yeah, we talked a little bit before about directions, you know, but we're, we're still a young field. So there's a lot of mistakes or misdirections, we can say, that coaches are taking, practitioners are taking. And you've been lucky to work, you know, if we were to call them the, the big three different you know, levels in college, pro, and, and with, you know, the private sector. What if any mistakes or misdirections do you see across all three levels right now? And what can we all do to be better? Or where do you see things that could be done differently to, to possibly correct, you know, right the ship, if you will? I mean, buddy, this is a, uh, I feel like we need to pour a pint and, and, and you know, talk about this. Um, to, first of all, to say that people are doing something wrong or whatever just means I feel like I, that means I'm doing something right, which I, you know, I don't know if I'm doing something right. I'm just trying to solve problems that present themselves through my facility. And I guess, I, I guess regardless of what level we're, we're working at or we're talking about, um, I feel our field is a lot more gray than it is black and white. Meaning whether we're talking, you have a kid who's injured or we have a kid with what I just talked about, some, some learning troubles um, or behavior issues, or we have nutritional issues. I, I feel it's far more gray. And for me, uh, at least with coaches that I've been fortunate to talk to or present to or um, meet, it, a lot of times they stay in their lanes, which I completely get. Um, stay in your lanes as a strength coach, right? So we can work on, we talk about attitude, they, you know, they, they work on setting up systems and, and this and that. Um, uh, but I feel sometimes going outside your comfort zone is where we get our best learning um, and, and things that may not on, at face value seem like they, they transfer or they apply to your situation, but more often than not, they do. And that's something I feel like uh, uh, we, we, I learned from a mutual friend of ours, uh, Hank, um, and how knowledgeable he is in just about everything um, <laughs> and how knowledgeable he is in everything and how he can still somehow always tie it back to a conversation about whatever it is you're trying to, you're, you know, whatever problem is you're trying to work on with that athlete. And so that's something I've admired in him. Uh, and Dr. Yesus was kind of the same in that regard and how smart they are and, and not just their field, but in a lot of fields that can always be tied back to working with athletes. And so, um, you know, the rehab sector, for instance, I'll just bring this up, you know, working with people with pain. Don't get me wrong. I, 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 I am not trying to take over for any medical professional. Um, 
you know, and I understand everyone's situations are a lot different as far as where they are in their practice or where they are at their, their job, right? What they can do and what they can't do. But I feel in, uh, it's, it's a little more gray than it is black and white. There are things we can do that I think can help with an athlete who has tightness or an athlete who has an ankle sprain or an athlete who has a back issue or whatever, rather than just refer them to someone, right? Um, so like I, like I said, I, if there's, I'll try to, I'll try to work on it until, you know, what my toolbox doesn't allow. And then I'll refer out. And there are great um, systems out there that are very easy that don't fall under the manual therapy realm that don't fall under necessarily any particular um, umbrella of this is an athletic trainers. This is a physical therapist. This is a physio. This is a chiropractor's. It's, it's more of a gray area. And I feel that's where our strength coaches can, can start to go under. Um, a little bit more and start to learn and, and, and go there. That way, even if we can't solve the issue, we can have the conversation with the medical professional better um, as far as how to work with this athlete or what I see and what they're seeing. And then I can learn better from those medical professionals. Um, if Does that make sense? Right? So at least yeah, nothing totally. else, it opens up the conversations better. But, you know, um, it, it's it's something that, again, I don't see why you know, going outside of our, our scope of practice. Um, I, you know, that's, I guess that's the big answer to the long-winded answer to the question is don't be afraid to go outside of that and look into things, right. Look into like, I, I, I was fortunate, you know, I went to college to be a teacher. So I took four years of education and how education applies and being able to communicate, right. And there's psychology in that. And there's psych, it's like, uh, you know, uh, um, there's psychology books and, and, and experts out there and how that applies. Because none of this strength and conditioning shit matters if we can't get it to, if our athletes don't understand what we're asking them to do, or if they don't understand how it applies, you know what I mean? Like if, if they don't get it, it, it doesn't matter. And so learning that stuff, neuroscience, you know, learning about the sensory systems, you know, getting into some occupational therapies and, and the world of sensory systems in the, in the development of the brain and how we can apply that into the gym, whether it's just take off your damn shoes and socks and what that does actually does to the brain. Uh, whether that's, you know, we have our shoes and socks off. Now I see an athlete that has asymmetrical feet and what that actually means to the brain and what that means to the postural system. And, you know, I mean, um, what that could possibly mean as far as, you know, you have an athlete that constantly has injuries on one side of the body, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. So going outside of your scope of practice is the long-winded answer. And, and, and more times than not, that stuff will be applicable. It may, maybe not at face value, but it, later on, you'll find where it applies. Yeah, no. And I think that right now it's kind of become cool to talk about things that aren't necessarily training related. And I think that all too often we like to separate everything as it's either in the weight room or it has no place in it. Yes. But finding those connections, even if it is, to be able to have some sort of a better understanding with a PT or an ATC or a doc so that you can have a better grasp of return to sport, for example, yeah. right? Like yeah. if you have a better understanding of why there are these particular benchmarks that the doctor needs you to hit, you can not only help more efficiently get there but you can be better involved in the conversation to maybe 
be involved earlier so that you can help with the other things that we know are so important. You know, I, I, mean, I think that's, a, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, no, a hundred percent. And so, and then also, you know, okay, maybe the athlete in a return to play situation does go working with the physio or, or the, you know, the PT or whoever they're, they're working, but then understanding the mechanisms a little bit of injuries and things that go into that, there's maybe things you can imply uh, in your, in your field or, or in the weight room or whatever. So um, for instance, you know, uh, concussions, right. It's kind of what I've seen here, concussion protocols or re return to plays with concussions here in the Pittsburgh area is kind of the wild west, right. You get some schools that say you got to go to this, this kind of therapy to, to return to play. Some say just return to practice. Just, you know, if you get a headache, stop. And then some say, don't do anything. Well, who's right. You know what I mean? So understanding, okay, well, if they are going to do some of this stuff, what are the things that kind of get involved with the brain, you know, with a, uh, um, a, a mild brain injury or, you know, anything like that? Well, no one's talking about primitive reflexes and how they can return after brain injuries. Right. So now all of a sudden, you know, why, um, you know, why is the biggest predictor for future injuries previous injury? Well, there's a lot of reasons why, but some of it can be tied into the neurology of this stuff. You know, maybe we didn't correct now um, or, or reintegrate the moral fear uh, paralysis reflex. Maybe their, their, uh, neck, their tonic neck labyrinthi reflex is now unintegrated. So they got some vestibular issues. So they, they're always kind of losing balance. Um, maybe they, they, their, um, their vestibular ocular reflex uh, kind of went away. So now when their head turns their eyes to have to follow rather than staying on the target, and now they miss things, right? So there's things that maybe in a standard practice of return to play is not being implemented that now, because I went outside of my box, my wheelhouse, I can do. So I'll give you a quick little case study and we can go on to the next question. So I apologize. So as I mentioned uh, earlier, long you know, um, in my long explanation, I started going down this primitive reflex, brain and hemisphere imbalance stuff. And at the time, not only was I studying that, I was introduced to the work of Dr. Jack Cruz who is a uh, neuroscientist and a um, kind of quantum physicist, so to speak, um, who he's an actual neuroscientist, does brain surgeries on people. He's wicked smart. And, um, you know, start, I was fascinated with his stuff and I'm not gonna turn this podcast into uh, all that, but learning that and then learning the neurological side of things with working with primitive reflexes and kids, I got this random call from a gentleman who has Parkinson's and he comes in and I start working with this gentleman who's got Parkinson's. And I'm like, man, I've never really done much with, with anyone, particularly with Parkinson's. I've done, you know, a little bit here or there, but not full time. And then I start studying and, and looking at Parkinson's and man, it is very similar to the rehab and the things we do to neurological development. And a lot of that also ties into as far as the mechanisms of Parkinson's and talking about mitochondria in the brain. Um, and environment with Dr. Jack Cruz. I'm like, you know what, man? I actually, all that stuff now ties into what I do now with Parkinson's, with this gentleman with Parkinson's and the results we're having and the success we're having with him and how, how he's feeling compared to, he was just going to your standard physical therapy. This is not a knock of physical therapy, but he's just, he's got his card and he goes to each uh, Cybex machine and he just does his, his weights and that's it. That, that's just kind of the standard care for, for at least what this gentleman was doing for Parkinson's. Now, all this weird shit that I'm doing for other reasons ties in very well to what I'm doing with this man with Parkinson's. So um, again, look, go outside your box. You might find that some of that stuff really does apply. It might not hit you right away, but it, you know, it will later on.
Yeah, but I think that that's also a great story, but also a great lead into the second question. Because, you know, in order to improve your knowledge, you've got to be willing to move outside your box. And I think that you've hinted on this before. And I think that you and I are pretty similar when it comes to this, you know, our, our thought process and, I don't know, maybe continuing education philosophy, if that's a thing. Um, but what advice would you give to people when it comes to expanding and growing? And, and what are the things that drive you when it comes to improving your knowledge base, whether it be in or out of the gym? Again, I apologize. I'll do my best to keep this not so long-winded. Uh, I know you're trying to keep this more of a, a shorter podcast, but um, first of all, find a mentor. You know, you and I have both been very fortunate to have, you know, what I would consider Joseph Johnson as our mentor and the world that he has opened me up to and us up to as far as Dr. Yassis, Hank, Natalia, Bonderchuk, Isarin. You know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh, all the people that he's been, I, I've, we've been so lucky that I've been so lucky to have him introduce me to that, um, you know, probably, I don't know if I would have had the guts to uh, at least try to reach out to them before. I, and the knowledge that Yosef has in a lot of things. And, you know, for me, being a history teacher, I want to trace that back. Where did, who did Yosef learn from? Okay, I found Dr. Yeses, right? He introduced me to Dr. Yeses and how incredibly intelligent Dr. Yeses is. He's a, even in his older age, how he's just still so sharp. Um, and, you know, he's forgotten more things than I'll ever learn in this lifetime. And okay, who did he learn from? You know what I mean? I try to always trace things back um, to its original source, right? Because I want to learn from the originality of an idea, uh, of a concept, of a method, of something. And so a lot of coaches kind of stop from what I've seen. You know, um, they'll take an idea and they'll just stop with it. Okay, well, I've learned this technique, you know, French contrast or something. I don't know what it is, you know, anything. And they'll just stop, but they didn't take the time to further find out, well, where did that idea come from? Who was it meant for? You know, who, who, who did that get used on? What was the context and why they used it? Why did they feel it needed to be used? And find out, hey, you know, oh, okay, maybe that's who it's applied for, as opposed to these 13, 14-year-old kids or these 18-year-old kids that I'm working with. Um, trace things back, find it, take the time to go deeper. Um, you know, a lot of times, to be honest with you, when I get a book, I'll jump right to the back of the book and just start looking at the citations and, and start looking at where, where, you know, where, where is there, are there the majority of names are in the citations and who are these names? And that's usually where I'll try to jump to um, and just take things as far back as I can. So I, I would say, you know, take it further, try to find the originality of, of things and you might be surprised Um you know, I, I feel like that will expand your bullshit meter for our industry better because that's what Dr. Yeses and, and Yosef and Hank really did for me by helping me learn that lesson and um, sharpen my bullshit meter. Dude, 100%. I think that, you know, and I've talked about this a trillion times, like the driving factor behind CVASP was always who did I want to learn from and then who I wanted to learn from turned into well, if I wanted to learn from these people because they're smart, shouldn't I want to learn from the people that they want to learn from? And then all of a sudden that spider webbed out all sorts of places into different tracks and ideas and different like trees of thought processes and everything. And it's 
that's been fun. But I do think that you hit the nail square on the head when it's like one of the things that I think slows down our development professionally, both individually and as a profession, is that is the exact example you gave of like, oh, well, I read about French contrast, so that's what I'm going to do. Or I read about BBT, so that's what I'm going to do. Or I read about, you know, jumping, I, I read jumping into plyometrics, so I know jump training. You know, I read Dr. Mann's BBT book, so I understand all this. It's like, but do you? You know, I read special strength training, so I understand what that is. But do you? Like, like do you? Or did you just read a book? Um, do you understand, like, who the Verkashanskis were writing that book for? Do you understand what the team or the, the preparedness level of the group that basically drove Brian to write that book? You know, do you understand what was behind it? Or are you just looking at it and you think, well, I got this neat toy, or this is something that's cool, or, you know, Jeff posted about this, so I'm going to do this. And it's like, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, FOMO driving you to be better isn't necessarily a bad thing. But if you don't, like, what is it? Like that video that keeps popping up, uh, the Russians doing single leg depth jumps off the top of the freaking uh, bleachers yeah. over a hurdle. And it's like people that coach like 16 year olds doing this. It's like, what? Yeah. Like that's not for them. Like that's not for a 15 year old swimmer. Like, sorry to break the news to you. That's probably a little more advanced than they need, you know? But I mean, that's talking about beers on the table. That's a soapbox that I don't think I'm ready to get on at this hour, but, uh, this hour. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it was 59 minutes later, maybe. There you <laughs> go. That's just my goal. Uh, but no, it, I I couldn't agree more. Like I think that for a profession, a vocation, whatever we want to call ourselves, that that prides itself so much on education, growth, and development, we just it's like we we don't look in rabbit holes it's like we're looking in like alleyways and it's like we looked in that alleyway and then there's the wall and we're done we move on instead of being like like what you said i think that's a, a great example for younger coaches like i don't care what the book is like look through the citations and if you see a name a lot that's probably the next person you need to be looking at like if you think that this is important i've also found uh I won't, I won't say any names, but I've read some popular training books in our industry and gone through the citations and have then tried to find those citations and those citations were nowhere to be found. So you might find who's full of shit and who's not. Yep. That's, uh, that is something that a good friend of ours has brought up a couple times too in conversations, which is good. But I'm on 59 minutes. <laughs> oh, I wish I had time for that today, bro. I really do. But nah, man, let, let me get you out of here with this one, Jeff. Yeah. We touched on it a little bit earlier. What can people expect from Jeff at the, atten 
at the Pittsburgh edition of the seminar. Um, I want to do, I mean, I'm not, without giving anything away of who the presenters are, I'm, again, I'm just a warm up man. I'm, I'm just a guy. People are not coming necessarily for, for Jeff Moore. They're, they're coming for your lineup, which is unbelievable. Um, but I wanted to give, I, want, I wanted it to be applicable to anyone. Uh, as I mentioned, someone who might be working, you know, have their own children, someone that works in a school, someone that works in the collegiate center, someone that works with just professional athletes, someone just works with mom and dads. Um, I want it to be applicable. So Monday they can go and just apply it or Monday they go and maybe it's just changed now the lens in which they view those that walk in their door. Um, and so it's going to be kind of like, uh, listen, we're all on the quest for the Holy Grail. Right. We're always we're, we're all trying to find that that exercise, that method, that whatever that fixes everything that I can cure this cancer or this this gentleman with Parkinson's. I can fix my son's learning troubles. I can get these, the, you know, these professional athletes to be uh, you know unbreakable, these high school kids to set records. Um, we're, all, we're all in that quest. And I guess my presentation is going to be my quest and the the you know, uh, one of our favorite movies with my with my kids is Onward. Uh, and on a, on a quest, the clear path is never the right path. And so the weird holes and the weird directions we've gone, uh, that I've gone and, and how it's kind of led me to where I am and how I think it's applicable to everyone in just about every situation, just depending on how you view that. I love it, dude. Stoked to have it. Stoked to have you as part of it as always, man. Thanks, dude. Yeah, it's, I'm really fired up that finally I'm listening to you and bringing the seminar to Pittsburgh because this is going to be a heck of a weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I think people are going to go and be really excited, not just when they see the lineup, but they see what everything that we've got set up for, because it's going to be an absolute blast. It's going to be fun. Yeah, man. Jeff is always, bro. It's great to see you. Glad you're doing awesome. And uh, go Bills. Go Bills. Yeah, man. Go Bills. <laughs>